Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. As we get into your word, we pray that you would be with us, you would help us, you would lead us and guide us into the truth we need to know. As always, Lord, may the people be blessed by you. I pray through the revelation of the word, these your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now let the words of my mouth, Lord, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I say you're my strength and my redeemer, and everyone who believes that, say Amen. Turn to somebody on your left, say, I'm glad you're here. Don't forget the right. Don't neglect the people behind you. God bless you. During this time of year when we're around our family, there are several conversations that happen on repeat. Um, when we have a relaxed moment, we begin to dialogue about things that may seem trivial, but they're very important. There are certain conversations that you can have that just invite a conversation. Um, and right now, if I was to throw out this statement, which I am, about who is the goat, we'd have various people saying various things. So on three, I just want you to read out who you think the goat is. One, two, three. Okay, somebody said LeBron James, and somebody said Jesus, and somebody said a lot of things. You know, when it, comes to, when it comes to the GOAT, there's just a lot of, you know, people who have a lot of things to say. Now, I, I just want you to know, it's, 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 it's subjective, and it's, people feel different things. Some people believe that the GOAT is Tom Brady. You know, he's got a lot of Super Bowls. You know, he's an old guy doing a young man sport, you know. Tom Brady, Brady fans, you know, some say he's a GOAT. Some say it's somebody that I can't even name. You could just put his, his name up there. I don't like him. He's not the GOAT. I'm from Detroit. No Detroiter can ever say that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, but, you know, he, some people think that, and so I'm going to let you, you know, come on, prophet. You know, I don't want to revoke that prophet license. Uh, just watch your speed limit in here. But then we have other people who can legitimately claim that. Who's my next person as, as, as go? Muhammad Ali. You can talk about a lot of people, but you can't just leave, you know, Muhammad Ali off. What about this generation? We got some goats. Gar Brooks, yeah! Come on! Come on! Kevin York picked Garth Brooks. He loves him. Who else we got? Let's see. Go. One more time for LeBron James. <laughs> all time, all time is going to be great. You know, and let's not leave off Serena Williams. I mean, some people say the greatest of all time is Elon Musk. You know, this search and need that we have as humans to elevate another human to that top spot and, and the greatest. It's almost as if we need to identify somebody that we can worship or we can appreciate for their accomplishments. 
it's good if their accomplishments filter down to us, but even if they don't and they've just done something what we consider superhuman or out of the ordinary, we want to celebrate them. There's an argument over who is the greatest of all time. And I know because you're in church, some of you actually yelled out Jesus, but when we look at the top 200 movies that have produced money, billions of dollars, of the top 200 there's only one Christian movie that actually breaks in. And that's at, a hundred, at, at number 162, The Passion of Christ at 612 million. All of the other movies, there are veiled, cryptic, nondescript illusions to perhaps a church activity or the illusions to a veiled, mysterious God, but not our God. It seems that no matter how many billions of people on the planet claim Jesus Christ is Lord of their life, in the biggest platforms, his name is not yelled out, his gospel is not preached, he is not considered the greatest of all times. And with the time that passes, it seems like more and more people in this generation are forgetting the real reason for the season, the real reason for life being Jesus Christ. How could he be eliminated for the list in exchange for fantasy? Most of the movies on the list are fantasy. You, you know, topping the list of all time, though Avatar is there, Endgame is next. But if you add up all of the Marvel uh, movies, they far eclipse all of the top 11 in terms of income producing. Because we as humans need to think or dream or touch something powerful something mighty. Our imagination needs to see someone overcoming evil. Now we know something in church about how to overcome evil, but, it's, but we'll substitute that real message for another message. For, and and it, it is almost as if the real goat and all of the fake goats uh, are either on equal playing field or the real goat is ignored. They ask, they ask um, Mike Tyson in his prime when he was considered unbeatable. They set him next to Muhammad Ali. And the guy asked, he said, if Ali was in his prime and you were in your prime, who would win? You know, I, I'm expecting Mike Tyson to say what I would say. Well, you know, yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's me. <laughs> I'm expecting Mike, you know, to act that way. But Mike knows something about himself. And he was able to face reality in that moment. He said, hands down, the greatest, he would win. Yet... Though that knowledge came out of Mike in a moment, in an instant, it was not propagated and promoted by him beyond that moment. He would rather live even after that truth with the illusion that people actually perceived him as the greatest of all time. It's funny that when you're the greatest of all time, you have very little to say 
but you have a whole lot that you do. The scripture that we've been looking at in Isaiah begins to present to you this gift of the greatest of all time. Isaiah, I just want to read it together for fun. I didn't maybe give you the Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. I don't think I gave it to you, so I'll read it. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and it shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over the kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. He is not being introduced as the greatest of a time. He is being introduced forever as the greatest of all time. But it's funny when you're the greatest of all time and you have to do the proving it. Usually, when you're the greatest, all they do to prove it is put your body of work up and allow you to recognize how significant it was. I believe in this regard that we just need to put his body of work up and maybe our confession will be different, but not just our confession, maybe our reaction to what we notice in the word will cause us to act differently. We talked about him being a, a wonderful counselor uh, last week. Uh, we talked about uh, him being uh, a son but now I want to unwrap the gift of him as mighty God. It's easy to dismiss him as mighty God. Why would we dismiss him as mighty God? Because he just doesn't show up when we want. He just doesn't flex when we really want him to. And somehow in human condition, when you think you need God most, he seems very distant. He still is the greatest of all time. Hebrews, if, if Isaiah gives us the gift, Hebrews chapter one is gonna allow us to unwrap the gift. Let's unwrap this together. Let me just read these first two verses and then we'll go through it. Or you can read it all out. Ready, one, two, ready, read. I love that God doesn't have to devalue the contribution of other people to value himself. He appreciates what is in man because he actually created man in his image and he uses man to actually reveal himself to other people. The Bible says that he revealed to the fathers ahead of time through the prophets. He does nothing except he first reveals it through his prophets. But the Bible says we know in part and prophesy in part. Though he would allow himself to be revealed through a man, that man cannot take credit and become the greatness. 
It's like when we're reading the Bible and we see the characters that we like to do some fantastic things like Moses. And we think about Moses being the miracle worker or deliverer, but we don't think about the one who's working the miracles or the deliverance through him. Is the greatest of all time Moses or is the greatest of all time God who is giving him the empowerment? There's something that happens to humanity that makes it easier to look at the human than the God that is supporting or behind the human. He said he's spoken by the prophets and he done this in various ways. Uh, he spoke through a burning bush. He can spoke, speak through dreams and visions. He can speak through your family. He can speak through music. In fact, I was uh, driving a young man um, about, about 18 years ago to this church. I picked him up in the hood. He was a former gang member who had been you know, shot several times, and he was recovering, and I had him in a car, and I was bringing him to church, and I was playing a Yolanda Adams song, and the song that was on was talking about a young man who had robbed somebody who was getting born again. And he, and while I was driving, he, this, this guy, he, he, he wasn't saved yet. He grabbed my arm while I'm driving. Hey, man, who told you? Who, what, what you, what, what, man, what's going on? Where you taking me? I said, man, we're going to church. He said, I heard what she just said. Hey, look, look, God is speaking to you through the song. I didn't, I didn't set that up. God can speak through circumstances. God has spoken through animals. Well, you don't listen. Balaam, he was about to do something wrong. God, was, God had already given him an instruction, and, and, the, and the animal, you know, stopped. The animal knocked his leg against the wall, but then the animal spoke. I mean, God can speak in a still, small voice. God can speak through an impression of your heart. God doesn't want anyone in here outside of understanding or knowing his will. He speaks and he is speaking. And if you come this Wednesday night, I know that he will speak to you very specifically about who you are and what you're supposed to do and what some of your assignment is on earth. And you can't figure out 80% of people who go to college don't know their purpose, don't know their assignment, and just keep getting defined by man. But the greatest of all time can't define you. He will not leave you without a word. Do you remember the last word that you had from God? And if you can't remember it, it's okay. You've got the word of God that you can trust. You can trust his logos. You can trust his spirit to revealed to you just like he gave it to man. You can trust, you can trust this. But he goes further. He said, I've got a greater way I speak. Even in that, I'll speak through my son. So yes, there have been great men who's had great words and they're, they're, they're great things, but nothing compares to the word made flesh. Nothing compares to the light of life and the life of men. Nothing compares to the one who says all things were created by him and through him and without him was not anything made that was made. That sounds great. Is there anyone else who has that that they have done? Or does he have that accomplishment all by himself. That's a mighty God. Therefore, Jesus is mightier than people. He's mightier than we can perceive. When I think about that list of the greatest of all time, I, I imagine 
when I think about powerful people, when I'm not in a church setting, his name does not come up. But one of the privileges we have, one of the treasures we have in these earthen vessels is him. Personified, active. And I think we have to settle the issue in our second point that Jesus is just not, like in the first point, um, mightier than humans. Jesus is our mighty God. He is our mighty God. Verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. He is the radiance. I, I love the book of Hebrews because it's, it's not, it's God speaking about the son. It's not the son making a proclamation about himself. And when, when, when he does, he says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Do you know, so everything that we can see should reflect like Pastor Will was saying, God's glory. You are a reflection of his glory. Uh, the sun is a reflection of his glory. In fact, the brightness, when he says he's the, he's, he's the brightness of God's glory, what it's saying is, is that when you, when, you, when you experience the rays of the sun, it's like, just like you're, you're experiencing the sun. And while the rays are distinct from the sun, yet they're, they're inextricably linked. They're the same essence. They're the same nature. He is the radiance. It's glory. Adam was first clothed with glory. Moses uh, had glory revealed on him and shown on him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you had uh, Elijah and Moses and Jesus showed up and, and all the glory and they were, they, 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 they were a glow. So, you know, it makes me think when I think about the Mount of Transfiguration and God's glory being revealed, how much it's normally concealed. But we as humans get to see it. I love that verse in, in Isaiah. Let me find it. I didn't give it to them in the screen. It says in Isaiah 40, it says, every valley shall be raised up. And every mountain hill be made low, and every rough ground will be leveled, and the rugged places plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord have spoken it. I love how Romans 1 says it. I want to read Romans 1 because I feel like this is what's happening to our greatest of all time. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it unto them, meaning us, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that every man is without excuse. And if you skip down to the 24th verse, it says, therefore God gave them up to their, okay, no, 25th, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, they now worship and serve the creature more than the creator who's to be praised forevermore. 
Nobody has an excuse. He's saying, God is basically saying, when you look at the moon, you see me. When you look at the sun, you see me. When you look at other human beings, you see me. When you look at somebody making a spaceship that can go out of space, that's not praise for Elon Musk. That's praise for me. When you think about microchips and you think about cars and planes and, and all of the fantastic things, when you think about fire and you look nuclear energy and all of the, all of the things, the, the periodic table, all of these things come from me. I am your mighty God. Jesus is your mighty God. You are not, when you're serving Jesus, you are serving God. When you're worshiping Jesus, you're seeing the glory of God revealed. You don't show us the Father, show us the Father. Don't you know? You see me, you see the Father. Jesus is our mighty God. I just want to read this because I feel like, in, in the Hebrews, because I feel like uh, sometimes we ignore this mighty God in his goatness. For it is impossible in this case for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up in contempt. In other words, when you see him, you must embrace him. There is no other answer for what we're going through. There is no other savior that is coming. If we neglect this glory that we have the opportunity to see, it's, it's a great tragedy. He says, and he makes purification for our sin, and he sat down. You know, one of the things that makes him the greatest of all time, that makes it personal, is that he, though he was a son of God, took on the likeness of sinful flesh, and he humbled himself and came obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He lost seemingly that you might win. He went down that you might go up. He, he, he used a cross that you might be pure. He became sin that you might be the righteousness of God. He, he took our place. He was our substitution. He, was, he, he, he purified us. What gives him the power? What gives him the right? It's because he is greater than man. Though he is man, he is God. And he used all of his goodness and all of his glory to redeem man. I want you to pause just for a moment because sometimes, remember Hebrews is trying to help us unwrap a gift. Unwrap that for yourself. I love the children's Charlie Brown special. I love yet the simplicity that here is something that's shown to half of the world. And the reason he did it is because no one else was celebrated. And now we have nothing at something was done 50 years ago, we'd have nothing comparable in the generations to what a simple cartoon has done. What are we gonna do to show our Jesus as our mighty God? See, it's easy to say Jesus is the goat, but how do you display his goatness? That's the bigger thing. My final point today is found in verse four. 
Jesus has become much more superior to angels. And you might be thinking, why does the text dead end into speaking about angels? Well, at that particular time, one of the um, off doctrines they would get into was seeing the significance of angels or the presence of angels and beginning to worship angels or giving them a higher place of prominence than they actually should. We all know that angels are real, but they are created beings. Uh, he created them along with all the other heavenly hosts. They are servants or they are messengers. They are mighty. They, are, they have a hierarchy. You know, there's Michael, there's Gabriel, there's cherubim, there's seraphim, there's the living creatures who worship God night and day and, and cry out holy. There's, there's an innumerable number of, of, of them. They work on God's behalf. They work on our behalf. They're the most powerful creatures that we can think of. They're more powerful than demons and devils because they can beat demons and devils. They were used to expel them from earth. So when you think about the greatest of all time, you would have to kind of put them in the, in the running. Yet he makes it clear, having become as much superior to angels as their name, as, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son, today I've begotten you, or again, I will, I will be to him a father and he should be to me a son. And again, when, uh, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and, and his ministers flames of fire. But the son, he says, you, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Your scepter of righteousness is a scepter of this kingdom. In other words, angels are mighty and angels are powerful and angels are necessary. But Jesus is mightier than the angels. Jesus is mightier than people. Jesus is our mighty God. And you might be saying, great, I've seen the facts. But when you actually see the facts about who he is, it should make us respond and live differently among our people. Just look at our world and look at our generation. It's just almost as if they're being given permission to ignore or to forget what we know they should see his glory and might everywhere. But guess what we get to do? We get to display his glory. We, need to, we get to give his glory. We, need, we get to express his goodness. We need to proclaim his goatness. We, 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 we can show that he is greater than man, greater than angels. He is our great God. What am I willing, as James Lowe, to do to display? I first must see it. I first must see him for who he really is. And hopefully that revelation is so powerful to me, it causes me to act in ways where he cannot be denied the glory due to his name. What does the glory do to his name? My whole life in worship. Romans 12, 1 says, uh, 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 presenting my body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable act of worship, that I might prove what is that good, perfect, acceptable will of God. This is what we should do. The angels were called to worship him as God. So the greatest beings on earth, the greatest beings in heaven other than God, 
worship him. We as humans get far too obsessed with our own greatness and accomplishments, and we miss opportunities to worship him. He's a mighty God, and when you see him, you'll worship him. Stand to your feet. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Jesus is the God. Jesus is the God we serve. Jesus is the God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. Jesus is the God we serve. I believe there's a transformation available to our community based on our revelation that we understand who the greatest of all time is and based on a lifestyle that will worship him and proclaim it to others. I know it's not popular to talk about your faith in the workplace, but sometimes you're going to have a broken boss and broken coworkers who need to know the greatest of all time. You've got neighbors who need to know the greatest of all time. Perhaps you need to be reintroduced to the greatest of all time. It's so amazing to me that no matter how powerful and mighty he is, he is gentle and lowly. To have that much power and to come as a gentle man, that's pretty extraordinary. Have my ministry team come down. You know, on a message like this, it kind of sneaks up on you that you might need to repent. Like when I'm preparing for the message, you know, it kind of sneaks up on me. How many things occupy my brain as powerful? How many people I give GOAT status to? And how often I don't demand that we celebrate the real GOAT? You might want to just have a time of ministry. When I end today, I want you to come receive ministry. Maybe you're getting introduced the first time to Jesus or reintroduced, or you just need to reconfirm. You just want to pray with somebody. You'd be strong enough to stand, proclaim that goat. Somebody's waiting on you to answer and settle the argument of who the greatest of all time is. That's your gospel call during this season. Praise God. Give God a hand of praise.